Welcome, Tales of Gore listeners. This is the big episode 67. It's a bonus release this week because we have Good Friday coming up. There's a few things I wanted to cover about Good Friday. I also know people are tuning in from all over the world to listen to this. You know, we have two listeners and a dog, and I think we have uh, two or three listeners and a couple other dogs scattered around the world. So if you're in a country where things like this are being blocked and you can't get to church, you get in trouble for it, you know, or just you want to have some Good Friday information in your hand, that straight up gospel, this is just going to be straight up today. Reading from the gospel and just let you guys. Um, Know what Jesus did for us back 2,000 years ago when we went to the cross. What happened? What happened on Good Friday? Why is it Good Friday? What happened on Not-So-Good Thursday when he got captured? We're not captured. You know, talk about some of this stuff here today. It's going to be a little bit longer, probably about an hour podcast, so brace yourselves. It's going to be a little bit long. But let's dive into the Bible. And I pieced together different pieces um, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke where I thought those particular authors did a better job of explaining things or added more content to it. And we'll pick those out where that happens. But this puts together a timeline um, in a more condensed fashion in context of what took place from after the Last Supper on Thursday to the Mount of Olives or the Garden of Gethsemane, however it's going to be, down to when Judas betrayed him and to the cross. So let's dive into this stuff. Some cool stuff today. Right on. So again, I'm your host, Reverend Michael Norton. Most of you already know me, so I'm not going to go through the pedigree today. I want to keep this um, kind of special about Jesus today. So we'll move along from pedigree. If you're on YouTube or Spotify, there it is right there. Like I said, I'm the missionary at the microphone, and I do know that this is getting out to other people who are able to access YouTube or able to access Spotify, able to access Rumble, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is you're logging into, I'm there, so... I'm hoping somebody out there, this is going to bless you in a country where you can't receive this information. So here we go and help you celebrate your Good Friday and move on through the Easter season, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we are, Good Friday. So we're going to start off with, I found this kind of interesting clock that showed that the events of Good Friday. And it starts off at 8 a.m. where Jesus is brought before Pilate and in Pilate condemns um, Jesus to the cross, and at 9 a.m. in the morning, that Jesus is crucified. Then we were to noon, where darkness covers the land till 3, to where Jesus gives up his spirit, and to 6 p.m., where um, Jesus' body is placed in a tomb. So we're looking at this, this clock here, Lane. That's what we're going to use as our, our, our timeline. We put things together into these, these four quadrants of the clock of 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., noon. 3 p.m. he dies, and then 6 p.m. in the afternoon. I have it displayed on the video there if you guys are seeing this, the PowerPoint. So events the night before Good Friday. We're talking Thursday here. Jesus has his last supper. Jesus reveals that one of the 12 disciples will betray him. Satan enters Judas. He's the one that betrays Jesus. And Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives to pray. And he gets arrested there. That's the events that take place on Thursday, the night before Good Friday. And we'll touch upon a couple of these here before we dive into Good Friday, just to put the series of events in order to help you guys paint a picture of what's, what's going on here with Jesus. So at the Last Supper, we have from John 13, 21 through 30, One of you will betray me. Verse 21, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples look at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, 
whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter mentioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread and have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon the Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew what he said to him at this time. So I want to stop right here. Um, just for spiritual warfare context, this is very important. Satan entered into Judah. Satan only enters into what I call um, high-target people who have access. You know, So Satan's not going to go after little people. He's going to send his demons, his minions, or whatever. When Satan enters somebody, he's after a high-profile target. In this case, Satan was after Jesus. So Satan entered and possessed Judas Iscariot. Okay? A lot of people go, oh, I have Satan in me, or, you know, they're talking about, you know, for deliverance. No, Satan doesn't enter us. He could care less about us. He has his army of minions. I've explained it before, like, if you um, decide you want to take on a, a, some general out there with ISIS or some, you know, terror group, the general's not going to respond and come back to you directly. He's going to send one of his little grunts, right? One of his little um, terror cells in the United States to come after you. He's not coming after you directly. Same ideology. So when Satan entered Judas, Satan was after a high-profile target, and that was Jesus specifically. He was after Jesus. So keep that in mind. People tell you when you're doing deliverance, like, oh, it's Satan. Like, no, it's not. It's just a lying spirit. So anyway, so no one at the table knew what he, why he said this to him. Nobody knew. Verse 29. Some thought, because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Now I want to switch over to Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus becomes overwhelmed with what he knows he must do. He must go to the cross and fulfill the will of his Father. So this is a very powerful moment here with Jesus, and it's in Luke 22, 39-53. Verse 39, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when he drew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And they appeared to him, an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that may not enter into temptation. May the betrayal and arrest of Jesus here. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike them with a sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
But Jesus said, No more of this. He touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief of priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you didn't lay hands on me, but this is an hour, your hour, and the power of darkness. So we know after being arrested, Jesus was led before Caiaphas in the council. This is Matthew 26, 57 through 68. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that he might be put to death. But they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at least two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do you need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him and slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? And that wraps up the events of the Thursday prior to the events of Good Friday. Now I wanted to start diving into the events of Good Friday here. And what took place in the chronological order as best as we can get it. So again, we have the clock. We have Jesus taken to Pontius Pilate, 8 a.m. At 9 a.m. he was crucified. So here we go. 8 a.m. Jesus delivered to Pilate the governor and Matthew 27 Verses 1 through 2. When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And then they bound him and led him away and delivered him to the Pilate, the governor. In Matthew 27, verses 3 through 10, Judas hangs himself. Then, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is this that to us? See to it yourself. So that's what Satan works. So Satan now left him in blame and shame, right? And so he can't take it and he can't live with himself. Here we go. That's typical how the, the demons work and how the um, dark forces darkness and the principalities work. The blame and shame on man. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and, and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood for this day. Then was fulfilled what was said spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, and they took 30 pieces of silver 
the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now we have Jesus before Pilate. Matthew 27, verses 11 through 14. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave them no answer, and not even to a single charge, so the governor was greatly amazed. I know we had a piece here too. I don't know if it was in that scripture where Pontius Pilate's wife had a dream, like, do not do this to this man. Nothing good will come of this. And I don't know if I captured the scripture here, but I thought it was Matthew 27, 11. Yeah, I must have just glazed over it. So here we are. Matthew 27, 15 through 23, the crowd chooses Barabbas. Verse 15, now at the feast of the governor was accustomed to release for crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they gathered, Pilate said to him, Whom do you want to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Verse 19, While he was sitting on the judgment seat, Oh, here we go, here it is. His wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with it that the righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So she received a spiritual dream not to mess with Jesus, but they did it anyway. Now the chief priests and the elders persuade the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So we have the chief priest stirring it up here. Ask for Barabbas, ask for Barabbas. Verse 21, the governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So Matthew 27, verses 24 to 30, Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. Verse 24, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that the riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Verse 26, Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So now Jesus is mocked. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together the crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand, his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and took him and struck him on the head. And when they mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Now the clock is moving to 9 a.m. and Jesus is crucified. Mark 15, verse 25. And it was a third hour, 9 a.m., when they crucified him. So at 9 a.m. we're at the crucifixion now. Matthew 27, 32 through 44, the crucifixion. And as they went out, they found a man of Serene, Simon by name. 
they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gal. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and he will, we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Let's look at the thief on the cross from Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So when their spirit passes from them, they will be going to Sheol. They won't be sending to heaven yet. Some work Jesus still has to do. So recall back in, I think it was Luke 11, with, um, I'm not sure if that's the right scripture, of the rich man Lazarus, we see Sheol. And one side is Abraham's bosom, the other side is hell. And the rich man's in hell, you know, being being boiled, whatever's going on with them, the heat. And so we see Abraham's bosom. That's where Jesus and the thief are going. Surely I'll see you in paradise. Paradise was Abraham's bosom and Sheol. There's a chasm dividing the two in the realm of death. But when Jesus completes his work, and prior to resurrection, he's going to open up heaven for the saints to go to heaven. Where, where you know, Abraham and all those guys, Noah... And all the saints are in there. Jeremiah, Joshua, Daniel, they're all in Abraham's bosom right now. They're not in heaven yet. But his work here on the cross is going to open heaven. But first they will go to paradise, and Jesus will too. Darkness covers a land. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So the sixth hour is noon. On their clock, on our clock, rather. Jesus dies on the cross at 3 p.m. Matthew 27, 46 through 55. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima sabachakani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on the reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let's see 
whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Wow, some powerful stuff going in verses 51 and 52. At 3 p.m., so verse 51, the curtain of the temple was torn. Remember, we couldn't go into the temple to meet face-to-face with God. There was that curtain that was there, and only the Levites can go in there, the, the selected Levites. And when Jesus died, that curtain was torn where with Jesus, we can meet with Jesus face-to-face. Have our indwelling Jesus and the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's inside us. And we now have access directly. That's what's changed there. And at verse 52, the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Powerful stuff there. The resurrecting power. It raised raised the saints. Boom! Amazing stuff. Cool stuff here. Verse 53. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him kept watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake, and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. This is all taking place at 3 p.m. when Jesus gave up his, 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 his spirit and um, went to paradise. There were also many women there looking from on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Among them who were there were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And that concludes the events, the timeline for what went on with Good Friday. So Jesus had to go to the cross. It's just amazing stuff. It's just a miracle after miracle is going on there on the cross. It's, it's crazy, right? That the, imagine all these people there for Passover or whatever it was they were there for. I think it was Patak, Passover. Yeah, there for Passover. And there's tons of people at the temple. And this place goes pitch dark. Just like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that people are looking back at like what happened in Egypt. Remember I just discussed that in Egypt, the, the plague of darkness. I'm sure this was a plague of darkness. It was just pitch black. You know, frightening a lot of people there. Like, what the heck's going on? I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here too. And then we have the tombs releasing the saints, right? You see saints walking around. People are going, you know, so there's all this crazy stuff's going on um, as Jesus gave up his life. Released his spirit. And it was finished. When he did that, it was finished. At that point, Satan was conquered. Satan was done. So I don't know if you're listening to this and you're kind of curious, like, who is Jesus? Jesus is somebody who absolutely loved us. Loved us to the point of, you know, he gave up his life for us. He gave up his life. This is a sign of a loving God who wants to be with us and have a relationship with us. And I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. That's why I put so much time in this podcast, reaching out to people. I said I work as a, at times, a spiritual warfare minister who does um, dark exorcisms with people in the occult. And I've seen some crazy stuff. And I've also seen these spirits acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is God, the creator. There are no other religions. I'm sorry, there aren't. A lot of it's lies out here. Even the spirits, when you confront them, they'll they'll admit it. They'll admit it. They don't want to. These dark spirits absolutely hate us. They absolutely hate Jesus. They want that's why Satan entered Judas to make sure that they thought they killed Jesus. He was done. You know, Satan's like, oh, 
mission accomplished. That wasn't what happened. You know, he got flanked. <laughs> he got flanked by a higher intelligence, man. A super intelligence that he's incapable of, of thinking of, you know? So, as we sit and think, it's just, you know, a lot of people I know have had experiences. It's something I want to cover in a podcast, too. Like, during these earthquakes in Turkey, young children are you know, coming out and saying these stories, and they're in the news stories in Turkey, too, that a man in white kept them alive. A man in white kept the collapsed building on his back until rescuers arrived. A man in white fed one person. You know, who is this man in white who was down there with him? You know, is God just amazing? And I've, like I said, working a spiritual warfare minister, I've been out to Haiti. I worked with one of the highest ranking um, witch doctors out there. And we were called out and dispatched out to work with him because... A pastor had walked out to talk with him about Jesus, and the, the voodoo witch doctor didn't want anything to do with it. So he handed him the Bible and told him to read a certain verse. I can't remember the verse was. I think it was Judges. I'm not sure. I wish I remember now. I have it documented somewhere. I'll put it in the show notes. And the witch doctor said, nope, not doing it. And that night, the this is a little hut this guy's living in, right? And he sets the Bible down on his table, and he keeps feeling the urge to read the Bible. He says, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. And so finally he breaks out the alcohol, tries to get himself drunk, and he can't get drunk. And he says, you know, he's still feeling this. He's trying to fight this urge off to read the Bible. And finally he passes out and goes to sleep. And in a dream, Jesus comes in and reads that verse that the pastor, I think it was Pastor John Johns, I remember who was working with him. And and he um, reads the verse to him. And he freaks out, and he goes in to see Pastor John. John's real angry. He goes, who's this Jesus guy? He came to see me. And does this verse say this? And Pastor John John said, yes. He goes, because your Jesus just read it to me in a dream. And that was so powerful enough that it, it caused the man's um, conversion in heart, you know, transformation of heart to repent of his voodoo ways and follow Jesus. So it's stuff like that. And time after time, I've been out in Ethiopia too where I recorded people's dreams where Jesus appeared to them in a dream and told them he was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I remember this one man telling me, he goes, I don't know who it is. Is it Allah? Is it Jesus? Who is it? You know, who's, or his other stuff? Is it Buddha? And he goes, Jesus or whoever it is, you know, I want a dream from whoever it is that's true. And he said that night it was Jesus said he, he was standing on the, this, this globe or something like I am the, the king of the north, south, east, and west. I control everything. I created everything. I am Jesus Christ, the Lord. So, I mean, yeah. I even had, I worked with witches that had, had dreams that Jesus came to them. So, Jesus will come to you. He absolutely loves you. And that's just it. It's, it's what we're put here on the earth for. We're spiritual beings, and our job here on earth is to choose him. Choose him or deny him. And I highly recommend choosing him. But, it's like being in a family. It's just—it's not this cult thing. Like, well, you're in a family now. No, it's just there's free will there, and Jesus likes to exercise your free will. And we're quite capable of doing stupid things on our own, you know. And that's—but because He loves us, He's loving God, He lets us exercise our free will. And there may be consequences to our free will for doing something dumb, and there are anyway, whether regardless you have Jesus or not, right? You, there's consequences for stupid behaviors, so. As you get with Jesus, he guides you through some of the pains and darkness you had through some of your really bad choices, right? Um, whether it's a relationship or you've been hurt or traumatized, Jesus is going to help you. 
I work for ritual abuse survivors who finally figured out how to choose him. Ritual abuse survivors knew Satan was real. So if Satan was real, Jesus was real. However, they had to break through a hard road because Satan taught them that Jesus was evil. But when they, the light bulb went on, oh my gosh, this Jesus guy, he's the one trying to help us. So it's what it is. If you're somewhere right now and you'll, yeah, I want to know more about Jesus. You don't have to bring him to your heart yet, but I want to know more about Jesus. Jesus talked to me. Jesus proved to me you're real. You know? Help me in my thoughts. He'll talk to you in your thoughts. He sounds just like our voice. It's, it's kind of interesting, except it's a little bit more wisdom when it comes in. You know? So Jesus, I just pray that whoever's listening right now and they're just looking up the sky or looking in bewilderment at who you are, that they accept you and they ask you into their life. They want to pursue you, want to learn more about you, get more information about you. That's the whole thing. It's a life pursuit. I want to learn more. It's not just the prayer like, Jesus, come to my life. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know how to go closer to him. I want to know who he is. He he died for me. He died for you. He went to the cross for you. All those mistakes you think you're you're in trouble for, you're you're that are plaguing you or ashamed of, or whatever happened in your past life, this is for you. And I also know I don't know what it is about Instagram. Like I it must be the, these bots. Like I put post Instagram things up and there's a lot of people that reply and follow. But a lot of these uh, fans only sites start popping in like, oh, we're following you too. So if you're a fans only site following me, Jesus for you too. You don't need to be a fans only site to be who you are. You don't need that. You don't need that. So I just pray that this stuff reaches out to you and who you are and it touches your heart. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to be one of those sites. Jesus loves you. He wants you all that too. You were created for so much more than that. So much more than that. And I know you have talents and stuff you you put aside to do the fans only for money. Don't don't be sucked into the money. You don't need a two hundred fifty thousand dollar car to find joy. You don't. How's that two hundred fifty thousand dollar car working out for you? Sure, people look at you. Was there happiness? Is there joy? Do you have joy in your life? Or are you suffering and there's just this depression? Seek Jesus. Anyhow, um, I'm going to try to follow up too with a, where did Jesus go after he went to paradise? What happened in paradise? I'm going to try to follow up with that too, guys. Um, you guys are amazing. I hope you enjoyed this. But I want this more of a, an apologetics or salvation message to you today. For those who are listening on the internet, or in places where this is banned, you can't listen to this. I know it gets out to different parts of Africa, and I don't know who all is listening. I know it gets out to Pakistan. I know it gets out to places where stuff's forbidden, maybe in China. But Jesus loves you, and you guys are amazing. So God bless you. Reverend Mike, signing off. Amen. <laughs>